afternoon and welcome to the End Time Blog Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Prada. Today we are looking at what a horror the cross was to the Romans through the famous orator Cicero's eyes. I came across this story during some research and I thought it was pretty interesting. In 70 BC, Publius Gavius spoke out against a corrupt Roman governor in charge of Sicily named Verres. Verres then arrested Gavius in trumped-up charges of espionage. He put Gavius in chains without a trial. Now, law and order was very important to the Romans. They constantly referred to all other tribes as barbarians. They believed themselves to be the best of the best, civilized and civilizing the entire world. Their view of the law and the refining influence of scrupulously adhering to it was one of the reasons for their cultural pride. The Romans' distaste for crucifixion is extreme. Now, they did invent it, but even mentioning this type of execution was seen as rude, especially if company was mixed. Cicero said that crucifixion was, quote, a most cruel and disgusting punishment. The famous orator exhorted that the very mention of the cross should be far removed from not only from a Roman citizen's body, but from his mind, his eyes, his ears. That was Cicero. Now, Sicily is that large island just off the toe of the Italian peninsula. The Strait of Messina separates the island from the Italian mainland. It looks on the map like the toe of Italy's boot is kicking Messina, Sicily. The city is only 1.9 miles apart from the mainland at the narrowest part of the strait. So when Verres decided to flog Gavius for his indiscretion of calling out his corruption in his governorship, Gavius was shocked and he insisted on his rights as a Roman citizen. Romans did not put each other in chains. Nevertheless, Verres kept the chains on Gavius and continued with flogging him, and in public no less. Not one word was heard from Gavius except at each lash of the whip, he said, I am a Roman citizen. Gavius's continued cry for proper justice so incensed Verres that after the flogging, he decided to crucify Gavius. Insert collective gasp here. Further, Verres was so angry that he not only erected a cross on the island for the very first time, but he deliberately placed it high on the hill overlooking the Italian mainland across the strait so that Italy could look upon its disgraced son, Gavius, 
and Gavius could only mourn the closeness of his beloved homeland as citizen as he writhed in agony and expired. Now, Cicero was incensed at all this. Cicero, at the time, was stationed on Italy as a quaestor, a sort of manager slash auditor slash administrator for a designated region. Now, Cicero was not famous yet as orator, but he had sought this low-level administrative elected position as an entry level to politics, as most aspiring politically oriented Romans did. His populace loved him, and Cicero did an excellent job. After Gavius's death, a collective of people on Sicily asked Cicero to represent them in a kind of a civil tort claim against Verres. They'd had enough of Verres' corruption as a mini-tyrant on the island of Sicily. I say island because geographically it was, but at the time, Sicily was the breadbasket of Rome. And the island had power and pull that most island officials didn't. Cicero's series of orations during the trial of Verres was collected, and it's now known as Against Verres. These orations ended up being the major milestone in launching Cicero into history as a noted orator and eventually an extraordinary statesman. Cicero so hated crucifixion as a disgusting activity against Roman citizens. It was a method of execution reserved for slaves and basest criminals that Cicero said the crime was not just against Gavius, but it was a blot against all Romans. Cicero expounded, and I'm quoting, here was reared that cross to which he attached a Roman citizen in the presence of numerous spectators, which he would not have dared to put up anywhere except in the city of those who were the accomplices of his thefts and crimes. Oh, judges, that cross, for the first time since the foundation of Messina, was erected in that place, a spot commanding a view of Italy was picked out by that man for the express purpose that the wretched man who was dying in agony and torture might see that the rights of liberty and slavery were only separated by a very narrow strait, and that Italy might behold her son murdered by the most miserable and most painful punishment appropriate to slaves alone. That's the end of the first Cicero quote here, but I cannot state enough how much of a horror the cross was to all the civilized Roman people. Cicero again said, to put a Roman citizen in chains is wrong. To flog him is a crime. To execute him is almost parricide. And what shall I call crucifixion? So guilty an action cannot by any possibility be adequately expressed by any name bad enough for it. 
Well, he certainly was florid in his language. Now, the cross, which apparently was still standing during the trial, Cicero said should be thrown into the deep ocean, and the spot where the cross was should be purified. The cross was an emblem of agony, conflict, not of peace, and a disgusting sight to all who pass. Cicero, again, here's a quote. During that trial, he said, with what insolence have you conducted yourselves in the eyes of the Roman people? Have you not yet removed that cross, nor committed it to the deep, which stood at your city harbor, stained with the blood of a Roman citizen? Have you not purified the spot before you entered Rome and this seat of judgment? A monument of the cruelty of Verres is erected in a territory at peace. And in alliance with the Republic is your city fixed upon as the place where those who cross from Italy should meet the crucifix of a Roman before he even sees a friend of the Republic? Well, how dare Verres conduct himself in such a manner? Setting aside, Cicero said, the rights of a Roman citizen, in fact, infringes on the rights of all Romans. If Verri's act was not corrected, then no Roman's rights should stand securely. They would all be at risk. Cicero said in his oration, it was not Gavius, not one obscure man whom you nailed upon that cross of agony. It was the universal principle that Romans are free men. Nay, do but mark this villain's shamelessness. And you point out that cross to the people of Regium, whose citizen rights you envy, and to the Roman citizens that live among you, bidding them think less proudly of themselves and less disdainfully of you. For behold, Roman citizenship has not saved its possessor from such a penalty as this. So Cicero wails against the vaunted laws of Rome having been abrogated in Verres' pursuit of vengeance against a fellow Roman. Having done this heinous thing, Cicero says crucifixion should be reserved for Verres himself. So heinous was his act. That's how horrible the cross was. Cicero said, and here's another quote, and since those whom I am in fact addressing are senators of Rome, main pillars of our laws and our law courts and our civil rights, I may rest assured that Verres will be pronounced the one Roman citizen for whom that cross would be a fitting punishment and no others deserving, even in the smallest degree, of being treated thus. Cicero said in his oration at the trial of Verres that the anger of the populace for Verres having committed this disgusting act, which he chose not to press the point in his first oration, were so tumultuous that they were at risk of mobbing Verres and stringing him up on the spot. Cicero explained, Oh, the sweet name of liberty, 
Oh, the admirable privileges of our citizenship. Oh, Sempronian laws. Oh, power of the tribunes, bitterly regretted by and at last restored to the Roman people. Have our rights fallen so far that in a province of Roman people, a Roman citizen should be bound in the forum, beaten with rods? What shall I say when fire and red-hot plates and other instruments of torture were employed? If the bitter entreaties and miserable cries of that man had no power to restrain you, were you not even moved by the weeping and groans of the Roman citizens who were present? Did you dare drag any one to the cross who said that he was a Roman citizen? I was unwilling, O oh judges, to press this point so strongly at my former pleading. I was unwilling to do so, for you saw how the feelings of the multitude were excited against him with indignation and hatred and fear of their common danger. I, at that time, fixed a limit to my oration, and I rejoiced that Glabrio had acted, and he had acted most wisely, as he was dismissing the witnesses immediately in the middle of the discussion. He was afraid the Roman people might seem to have inflicted that punishment on Verres by violence, which he was anxious he should only suffer according to law and by your judicial sentence. And that was a long quote in, most of these quotes were from the orations of Marcus Tullius Cicero, literally translated by C.D. Young in 1903. Now I hope that these snippets of Cicero's famous first oration in 75 BC supplied you with some background to both the importance of Roman citizenship in the Roman Empire and the disgust that sensible people felt about the cross used as a barbaric method of execution for its citizens. As mentioned, oh, it was all right to execute criminals and slaves using the cross. But even then, such things were not ever discussed in polite company. The Latin phrase civis Romanus sum, translated, I am a Roman citizen, is a phrase used in Cicero's In Verum as a plea for the legal rights of Roman citizens. When traveling across the Roman Empire, safety was said to be guaranteed to anyone who declared civis Romanus sum. You might remember in the Bible that Paul capitalized on this twice in scripture is mentioned. In Acts 16, 37 to 38, and Acts 22, 25 to 28. Paul said he was a Roman citizen, and further, that he had not bought his citizenship, nor was it conferred onto him, but he was born a Roman citizen. And when, quote, the officers reported these words to the chief magistrates, they became fearful when they heard they were Romans. That's verse 28. They had reason to be fearful. Citizenship was a highly protected right, and severe penalties ensued against 
anyone who infringed upon that right. Now, secondly, perhaps we can understand the horror the disciples felt when they heard the verdict, crucify him, and the disgust mingled with fear that they had felt. Peter certainly suffered. He denied Christ three times and was bitterly agonizing over that fact afterwards. We can see why so many of them abandoned the place of execution and hid, except for the women. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Our Savior died an ignominious death, naked and bleeding, scoffed at and mocked, beaten and spat upon, the worst death de devised in all of the civilized world. And he did it for us, for you, and for me. Well, this has been another episode of the End Time Blog Podcast. Thank you for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.